I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. You've just tuned in to Rebel Wellness, the podcast that's here to revolutionize your approach to personal health and well-being. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join our Rebel community. In a world that's saturated with fleeting diet trends and unrealistic beauty standards, we believe it's time for serious change. Our mission is simple yet profound, to empower women like you to break free from the confines of today's diet culture and embrace a holistic approach to health that's sustainable for the long haul. If you're like me, you're here to embrace the concept that true well-being encompasses every facet of your life, mind, body, and soul. Rebels believe in aligning our journey with our individual needs and values because a one-size-fits-all approach just simply doesn't cut it anymore. This podcast is your safe space to explore the depths of wellness guided by myself, experts, real-life stories, and genuine commitment to your growth. You're here to begin your transformative journey, and it's time to discover your own version of balance in your health. Every week when you tune into Rebel Wellness, we'll learn, grow, and rebel against the polarizing outdated norms to finally achieve lasting vitality and joy. Because that sounds pretty great, right? Your journey starts now, and I am so excited that you're here. Welcome back to our third episode of the Scary or Not series here for our spooky month, October. (laughs) If you're listening to this not in October, then that's okay. Every month is spooky here nowadays. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, But honestly, in a world that profits off your overconsumption materially and nutritionally, it can be honestly quite a scary attempt to switch towards a more health-promoting nutritional lifestyle, right? And maybe you were raised in a family that had lesser health-promoting habits. Maybe they were only able to afford certain things. And unfortunately, most of the cheap food is usually less nourishing, unfortunately, here in the U.S. at least. Not all of it, but quite a bit of it. And maybe your ethnic background pushed you to always clear your plate and get seconds. Or maybe you adopted the eating habits that your partner have or has, and you're finally over it. Or maybe you just were like never given the skills to know how to better nourish yourself, like cooking or building a well-rounded meal, etc. However you resonate with this concept, Today, I'm going to riff on how challenging and even scary at times it can be to make major nutrition and lifestyle changes. So make sure that you stick around into the second half because I'm going to be sharing my best tips to make it more simple, accessible, and hopefully welcoming in general because making the shift to taking care of your body through your nutrition is single-handedly the best thing you could do for yourself and your family for your rest of your life. (laughs) And I'm not biased here. Nutrition is literally 80 or 90% of whether or not you have a more challenging disease-ridden long-term life outlook or uh, trajectory rather, or not. You know, nutrition is really underplayed and it's more and more underplayed as time goes on with the way that our capitalistic society kind of promotes unhealthy eating because the less healthy you are, the more DoorDash you do, the more Starbucks or Dutch Brothers or any of those different places you go and get every day, uh, the more money other companies make, you know? And unfortunately, that is what really drives our food media and the food noise that we have going on nowadays. So 
If there's anything that I hope you get away with today is that it's actually not scary to shift towards being healthy. You just have to get in the right mindset and have the tools in your pocket to stay on track for the long term. And I'm going to give you all of those as much as I can today. But as always, real quick, a little housekeeping. I want to welcome you here to the show. I am so glad that you are listening. If you are new here, if you're a ride or die, hello again. Um, so glad to have a little squad of rebels now. It's been really fun. I would love to invite you to come follow and join our community on Instagram at Rebel Wellness Podcast or my flagship coaching page where it's got lots of good stuff, including tons more tips for the concept of today and a lot of everything else <laughs> at Coach by Kales. And I would love for you to come join our newsletter for the good, fun, awesome stuff that is coming down the pipeline at coachkales.com. You can join the newsletter anywhere on there, or you can actually grab some freebies that I have on the freebies page. So go check it out. Come join our community. I am so happy you are here. But without any further ado, let's get into it. So for this first bit, I'm going to chat a little bit down and dirty in the real conversations of what might be bringing you into a headspace where becoming healthier or being quote unquote healthy might be scary for you. There's so many angles and I don't think I'm actually going to get to cover all of the ones that I really would like to. I'm sure I'm going to listen back to this and be like, man, I should have said this or whatever, you know, but I'm going to try to cover as many things as possible. But I would absolutely love if you want to throw me a little voice message or a little message in general um, in the DMs on the Rebel Wellness podcast page and share your story. If anything resonated with you, I would love to hear it. I, I love to talk to you guys. And I'm so interested in everybody's individual story because it helps continue to round my opinion and worldview in general around these topics. And it's really important to me the, the little nerd in me <laughs> loves to build as well-rounded of an opinion and thought process as possible. So if you had other scenarios or situations that this chat made aware for you or made you more aware of rather, I would love to know. So feel really welcome. And I'm a non-judgmental space. I love hearing stories. So definitely share them with me. But with that said, some of the most important steps to making eating healthier, less polarized is first realizing that the, the thing that I like to tell people all the time, I should probably make some stickers or something, <laughs> is that food is food. And I know that that is such a blatantly obvious <laughs> thing to say, but when you really think about it, it comes down to that anything that is food is mostly something that your body can digest and hopefully utilize. Unfortunately, there's a lot of food nowadays that isn't food. It's food to be made into sort of food. <laughs> and that's food that I usually like to steer far, far clear from. I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. And that's usually like lab created meats and really highly processed and colored crackers and stuff like that. If it looks really processed and unnatural, it's questionable if it's food is food, you know what I mean? But FDA says you can digest it, so then it can go on shelves. Unfortunately, our regulators here in the U.S. are very financially driven, so they'll usually pass a lot of stuff until it has like 
very significant issues coming through with the public and lawsuits made where they're like, okay, just kidding. That's not food. So I, I have to kind of give a little caveat there for a moment because that's important to acknowledge because not all food nowadays is food, but in the grand scheme, the group of food I'm talking about is more in the sense that if it's like dominantly natural, it's just food. So I want you to think about food as it doesn't have a bad or good label to it. We've labeled things bad or good. Take those labels off. That's one of the first things that I like a lot of my nutrition clients to do because it's important to understand that how much of the food you eat and how frequently is what determines its effect on you. It's not innately a bad food item. No food is innately bad, right? A lot of us casually consume alcohol. A lot of alcohol will kill you. Not that much alcohol will kill you slower. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh God, I'm not kidding. But in reality, that's why we can get away with some very blatantly bad things that we can still consume more casually. So alcohol is an extreme example, but it's important to think about it like that because yeah, you can eat ice cream and it's not a bad food item. A lot of it, yeah, definitely probably not great. But majority of natural ice cream is just cream, sugar, eggs, milk, water, ice, and whatever flavors they want to mix into it. Those items, when you break food apart like that, and you think of ice cream as those items, those are natural food items that, again, are not innately bad for you in high consumption. Yes. Can your body utilize it in a smaller amount of consumption? Yeah, totally. And they're just energy molecules, you know? So I want to start off that concept for you because it's really important to unlabel a lot of foods because that's where we get into not only too much polarization in our understanding of food, especially for ourselves, but it does tend to lead towards eating disorders. And I do want to make it very aware that there are people listening to this chat today who might struggle with an eating disorder, might be in the middle of one. And I really encourage you to um, make sure that you feel comfortable listening to this, of course, but also that you understand the importance of working with a specialist who can help you heal from that disorder. And there's so many very amazing resources nowadays, virtually or in person. So I would really encourage you to explore that if that's a category that you land in. But as well, it's very important for all of us to know that no matter what, we have some sort of food rule or rules that have been taught to us passively or actively by anybody in our family growing up. I've had clients who have had almost every single food item that they ate growing up labeled at some point. Um, some of them, their parents uh, would label it good until the kid wanted to eat it too frequently or th them as a kid wanted to eat it too frequently. And then they just decided to say, oh no, now it's bad because they didn't want to buy it for them anymore. Can you imagine like, the brain, I, I'm, kinda, I'm trying to reduce how much I cuss on the, the podcast for, for everybody. But I mean, just the mind fuck that comes with that, guys. Like it's, it's something that's really underrated because we don't realize that the rest of our life, we often are just kind of uh, robotically following these food rules that were taught to us when we were young because so much of what we were taught when we we're young is like written in our brains because it's when our brains are forming, you know? And 
that can be really dangerous because a lot of us can also still be living by food aversions that we didn't like when we were 10. And our entire childhood was like, I don't like broccoli. And then you get older and somebody cooks it for you with like actual seasonings and sautés it or roasts it, aka the only good way that vegetables should ever be cooked um, versus the steamed version with no seasonings that their grandma maybe made them when they're younger. And they're like, oh my gosh, broccoli is delicious. And so that's a really interesting topic and concept to explore is what like foods are you adverse to from childhood or what foods are you adverse to because of what people taught you when you were a child that you haven't really questioned as an adult. So that's really important to think about because that might be why eating healthy is scary to you because you might have seen a version of healthy from your mom following the Atkins diet or any of these really restrictive, old-fashioned, really uh, <laughs> outdated ways of eating that are not what health is. A lot of health has been super adulterated as time has gone on. And this generation, more lately, I've seen some really great shifts towards trying to remove food roles and all of these icky kind of narratives around food, which is amazing. But we also are simultaneously still creating new ones. Like the amount of weird things that I will hear clients ask me about because I saw on TikTok, I'm just like, oh no, I don't know if TikTok is helping or hurting because it is making people believe things that are completely unfounded. <laughs> but without going off on that tangent, it's just important for you to explore anything that you were taught from your youth or any rules that you still live by that were from your youth and see if you can start to ask if they're actually true. Maybe do a little bit of research. Maybe just listen to the rest of this podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm not going to cover everything that is in there. But at the same time, it can be helpful for you to kind of start to question things. And I know that a lot of times people never question stuff because it's easier not to, right? But we have to question a lot of stuff from our foundational youth because that's how we grow as humans and we mature into a mindset that is more moldable and fluid, which I think is the utmost level of intelligence as an adult when you can actually hear something that you once thought was true be untrue and you change your mind. A lot of day a lot of people nowadays are very set in their ways, very dogmatic with things. They want to be very polarized and you know this or that and that's fine, but it's only fine until it's not fine because then we have a lot of people who like refuse to eat broccoli because they heard this or that or refuse to eat red meat and because of this or that. And in reality, you could be hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself or others because a lot of these times, some people with a lot of very dogmatic views, especially in the nutrition world, will be so hardcore and passionate about their choices. They'll push them upon everybody else. And it's like, that's your preference. That's your choice. You have an individual body that's unique and I have my own. But that's something where... I can see how it can influence people to be afraid to be healthy because there's a lot of stigmas and things that go along with it. And then there's a lot of confusion because there's so many different people saying, oh, you have to be plant-based. Oh, you have to be keto. Oh, you have to be carnivore. You know, all these different eating methods. 
And in reality, you just have to find what works the best for you, what nourishes you the most, you know? So I want you to explore that for yourself and keep thinking of what are old beliefs you used to have on food and are they actually true? Sometimes you can only think about them when they come up, but that's a great way to become very mindful about your food and your eating methods because it can help you feel a lot more empowered to making better choices for yourself and naturally shifting into healthier eating styles, okay? So that's a really important thing to think about. But it's also just important to know that scientifically, a lot of food nowadays has been made to be what is called hyperpalatable because food, especially sugar, processed sugars and such, um, are one of the quickest reward systems for our brains because carbs are wired to make us happy. We eat way more carbs than we were ever supposed to nowadays. And that's why we're seeing kind of profound changes, especially with um, metabolic disorders that are coming into play now that we've had several decades now with really high carb diets. And we don't realize all the time how much carbs we're actually eating, but like even my fitness pal defaults to having most people eat 50% of their daily macronutrients from their calories from carbs. And for a lot of people, that's way too high. I have a lot of clients that do way better on higher fat and almost all of them would do better with higher protein. Protein doesn't need to be the highest percentage macronutrient, especially because it's very hard to eat because it is very nutrient dense, but complete protein that is. But at the same time, we really shouldn't be eating 50% of our macronutrients every day for most of us from carbs. That's already setting us up for blood sugar roller coaster and a lot of cravings and maybe hormone imbalances, etc. So knowing that food is built to be hyper palatable, aka engineered to make us crave more and eat more, it can help you understand what foods to probably avoid. So there's a lot of foods that I personally don't stock in my pantry or fridge because I know I will for sure <laughs> overeat the crap out of it. Um, this is anything like chips, the salty, fatty, crunchy. Those are hyper palatable on purpose. A lot of very specific chips like Doritos and stuff are, are engineered to make you overeat them. And this also goes for the um, salty sweet food items because our bodies love that sweet and salty kind of combination. And it can keep us overeating. Like, have you ever eaten like something sweet and you're like, I just need something salty. And then you're like, I could go for more sweet stuff. And you kind of go in this pattern where like you're satisfied, like calorically, like you could stop eating, but your body's just like more, 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 you know? Um, I know that's happened for, to me for sure. And like fries, fries are for sure. One of those, um, uh, taste bud engineered foods that we can just overeat so much of. So staying away from, or portioning more of those food items is in your best interest because you're going to set yourself up for failure with the knowledge now that you have that a lot of food, especially salty fatty stuff, is engineered to make us continue to overconsume it. So know that and that is one of the best ways for you to naturally make healthier choices by reducing those things. Chips, fries, even technically certain candies, ice creams, and all of that. Kind of, the, kind of everything that you would see at a movie theater <laughs> now that I'm labeling it all out. <laughs> um, so, or listing it all out. But 
Anyways, that's important to know. And I really wanted to talk about that because those food items, especially for somebody who has never taught that concept or understand that in general, are not necessarily at fault that they get addicted to it. And everybody has the opportunity to make a choice. And now that you are armed with the knowledge, you can make that decision how you go out to battle because now now you have no excuse. <laughs> You're all like, I'm about to get off this podcast. But no, it's trust me, it's important to know that because you're going to really save your arteries. You're going to save yourself from diabetes. Like There's just a plethora of issues that hits every single person who overconsumes these hyperpalatable foods. But with that said, it's unfortunate that a lot of us are not taught anything about nutrition or food in school. Um, a lot of it is just what comes upon us from the decades of toxic diet culture and the outdated science from our families or friends and just things that we're kind of surrounded by. Some schools do teach some nutrition stuff, but again, they usually follow the food pyramid, which is also influenced by big food corporations. If you don't believe me, just Google who funds everything on the myplate.gov and that will really show you as you go down that rabbit hole who is paying for the food pyramid. And you actually can look into the history of the food pyramid and see that now grains are the base foundation of our pyramid diet. And historically, they were not. Historically, they were not. So that's to say something there for you, because Big Grain is an insane money-making company. I had a client once whose cousin inherited a grain silo on the East Coast, and he told me, without me even prompting any conversation about Big Grain, that when you own a silo, you basically can print money. That's how much money you make off of having grains, access to a silo, and selling grains. So if that random comment my 80 year old client told me once doesn't help back up the well-known knowledge that big grain makes a lot of money. Uh, there you go. But along with that, the outdated science that I was kind of talking about that you might hear from like family or magazine tabloids in the past that we kind of still just carry on into adulthood are things like eggs are high in cholesterol. So cholesterol is bad for you. Don't eat it. Uh, spark notes, cholesterol is, is necessary. We actually need it. And it's a steroid that helps a lot of systems in our body. And it's what kind and how much of what kind is what actually is bad for us, not cholesterol in general. So if you read labels and you see cholesterol on there, it's, it's just a part of food items, <laughs> usually animal-based products only because we make cholesterol. I'm not going to continue down that tangent, but another thing you might have heard is butter is bad for you. Here have margarine. Uh, as we know, margarine is worse for you. Uh, red meat is bad for your arteries. Untrue. There is no scientific studies actually done on whole right off the cow red meat. It's only done on people who ate like processed nitrated bacon, sausages, and processed meat. So if you really wanted to get specific about what meat of the red meat varietal is bad for you? It's processed red meat. It is not red meat in general. Red meat in general is extremely nutritious and has a ton of essential minerals and vitamins that especially the female body needs because we bleed every month. So if you're somebody who has been avoiding red meat because of propaganda, I would encourage you to at least eat some red meat, especially if you enjoy red meat around your cycle and that'll serve your body very well. 
And you might have also heard people just say, eat chicken, only eat chicken. But if you only eat chicken, chicken breasts especially, they're very high in omega-6s and they can contribute to inflammation if you are not balancing out your diet with omega-3s. And don't do salt. Salt is bad for you. We already know this is super wrong and outdated, and it's especially been getting debunked the last several years, at least in the nutrition corner of the universe on the internet. Salt is necessary. Salt is only bad for people who overconsume fast food frequently. So if you are somebody who is constantly eating fast food, salt is already laden in a lot of your food items. Therefore, that's where this kind of advice to have less salt came out because a large majority of Americans were eating processed foods, fast foods and packaged foods. And those foods are already naturally higher in sodium while having less of a salty taste. And so when you cook food at home, your half a teaspoon of Himalayan sea salt is actually hardly any sodium, but it'll taste very salty and you need good quality sodium in your body because it's an electrolyte. That's why when uh, basketball players go down when they're playing and they have a huge calf cramp, they'll give them a salt tablet. That's because they're usually massively depleted in their electrolyte balance. And that's why muscles cramp because think about electrolytes as little communicators for your muscles in your body to your brain and your brain shoots out a little message saying, Hey, do this thing. And then that muscle, if it's not in a balanced electrolyte position, will be like, hey, I don't know who you're talking to. Ah, and then it cramps up. <laughs> That's my metaphor for understanding why electrolytes are essential and what they can do to your body when you are low um, from an extreme example. So you can kind of get a better understanding that salt is not bad for you. It is actually essential for your body. Um, so I'd love to continue to go through and debunk all of those little things, but I will do a different episode on this. So I would love it if you're listening and you had several of these kind of rules you grew up with or more pop into your head, DM me them, and I'll include them in my future episode about debunking all of these kind of myths or just phrases that we grew up with and became like food rules for us because it's it's kind of uh overwhelming and interesting because sometimes we never you know we never debunk them or somebody never specifically debunks them and it's so helpful too but anyways i want to switch your mindset now as we shift into this next part of the chat to understanding that we're going to use the word nourishment because I prefer to use it instead of healthy because healthy has gotten really convoluted nowadays and simultaneously can mean different things for different situations for different people. So we're going to rewrite it together now as nourishing because to nourish is to provide with the food or other substances necessary for growth, optimal health, and good condition. So nourishment is my preferred term when talking about a food item being healthier, because we want to think about it in the sense that it's going to provide something for your body. Nutrition has always been about what are you consuming that is providing something for your body. Historically, we have always consumed foods that nourish us or try to consume foods that nourish us. There's a weird old fashioned way of thinking that everybody before us ate better than us or perfect. Like, I think it's hilarious. A lot of the, like I sat and thought about this one time that we refer back to cavemen ate this and paleolithic times they ate that. 
And I'm like, did we know that they were the optimal version of humans? Like, why do we always think back to them and want to eat like them when we don't actually know if maybe they were also still massively deficient in something? You know what I mean? I will say from my field experience, a paleo diet can be really healing for a lot of people who have gone off the deep end with uh, processed food or fast food and all that kind of stuff. Fast food is processed food, but I just have to kind of add those together in case you don't think of them the same as I do. But that doesn't always mean that humans nowadays can live a paleo lifestyle and not still need supplements to help them have optimal health and nourishment. But you can still do a lot better than just eating cereal, mac and cheese, and pastas every single day because uh, those are not nourishing food items. Those are kind of just negative calories. And I'm not going to say they're bad for you because, again, we're not labeling foods here, but they are not something that brings you nourishment. So as you shift into your mindset, thinking of food as quality fuel not simply just calories to get by until you're hungry again, it can really strengthen your relationship with food, especially for the long term. Starting to think to yourself, what is this meal going to provide me? And that does require you understand some basic nutrition about different foods you eat. I'll tell you a little bit more about that towards the end of this chat, but that's something to think about. next tip that I would say is start slow with your approach to shifting towards a healthier lifestyle or as I was saying a more nourishing lifestyle (laughs) instead of taking things away add nourishment in so think about your diet right now eat the same as you are right now and add more protein add a side of veggies add more fruits that have antioxidant properties like blueberries or blackberries thinking about your meal right now and adding nourishment to it can oftentimes help you feel more satiated and still get more of the nutrition that you're really looking for into your daily diet without the restriction of removing things. Oftentimes you'll naturally start to remove those other things that were really not serving you because you'll start to find that you are maybe more full, you know? Yeah, it's always a good practice to Eat the protein and the fiber on your plate first and the fats, depending on whatever you're having. So like avocados or um, something that's involving an oil, like if it has butter or something like that. And then going for the starchy or carby stuff, like your mashed potatoes or your corn or rice. Eat those last. And you'll probably find, especially if you continue to work on eating a little slower, that you're satiated and you don't have to finish your carb as much your starchy carb that is. And it's really, really important for you to kind of understand what foods are what on your plate. And luckily for you, I have created a crazy simple guide that is all about macronutrients for your grocery list. And also I categorized every single popular macronutrient item that's natural source and put them into each category fats, carbs, both starchy and fibrous, and proteins. So you have a whole big list of ideas and categories to grab from because it can help you make rounded meals. I call them 
rounded meals as a rule. Uh, there's a lot of different terms that people have for it, but you can get that for free on my website, coachkales.com. If you go to the freebie section, or you can just go to stand.store backslash kales, K-A-I-L-E-S and snag it there for free. And it's everything that I coach my clients on in the macro methods, because they're literally the best way to simplify food and enjoy every meal, like not kidding. And I'm trying to create as many resources for you as possible because I want you to master these skills and understanding about your food because it totally demystifies food altogether for you. And ultimately, that is the best way to get into nourishment and to not be scared of being healthier, you know, because it's not boring and it doesn't have to look as conventional as we've made it nowadays. So go to my website or the stand store, grab your free download. I made it for you. So enjoy that. (laughs) But the rounded meals rule is make sure that every meal has a good quality protein, healthy fat stores, and fibrous carb. You can also always add in a starchy carb and other things like that. Maybe not every meal will have each one of those category items, but I'm saying meal, not snack. So every meal should at least be for a majority of adult females who are listening You're going to want to at least have 450 calories in a meal, all the way up to 750 calories. It depends on how active you are, how much lean muscle you have, and your goals. But you should never be having a meal that is under 450 calories. Frankly, I wouldn't really have a meal under 500 calories, (laughs) but that's kind of my general rule of thumb, because if you think about three meals a day, 500 calories, that's 1,500 calories, that would be for a very sedentary adult female who doesn't have that much muscle. That would be minimum calories. I frankly hate that low of calories, but it's still enough calories to nourish yourself, especially if you're not very active. The fun thing about putting on muscle, ladies, is you get to eat more and it's more fun (laughs) and your body composition is healthier. Your hormones are healthier. So uh, I'm not talking about lifting in this chat, but I just had to plug that shamelessly in there because it helps you understand that Having more lean muscle mass makes you burn more calories at rest, which means you get to eat more and that's more fun (laughs) in my opinion. So um, rounded meals are really key. And when you start to think of each meal in those kind of specific categories for every meal, you're going to feel way more satiated. Your blood sugar is not going to spike the same way as it used to. You're not going to get as hangry and you're going to have a lot more focus, less brain fog, et cetera. I even had a type one diabetic client who randomly sent me screenshots of her blood sugar for the day when she didn't pay attention and didn't do any rounded meals. And then a day when she did rounded meals and she was like astonished at how balanced her blood sugar was the entire day, just by having those three categories in every single meal. So the proof is in the pudding guys. (laughs) And again, snag that freebie I made for you because it's going to be really helpful for you with reframing all of that. And The best way to get to being healthier is reframing a lot of mindsets and taking away a lot of the scariness around being healthier. Speaking of mindfulness, another step you can take to reduce the stigma and scariness of being healthier with your food is to work on the mindfulness with your cravings. So this is an inside job. This is something that I'm not going to get really deep into because that's something that honestly I think is better dealt with either with your journal or with a therapist or anything that you find to be beneficial for you 
on your own. You can also tell me about it if you want to. <laughs> but you have to ask yourself when you are feeling a craving come on or a habit in general with, that involves food of what is influencing you right now. So what is externally in your environment, what is influencing you? And then internally, what is influencing you? So is it a party? Is it a social event? Is it your partner who just came home with a giant box of pizza, like unannounced? You know, what is influencing you to continue the habits that are not supporting you with your nourishment? Internally, is it your cycle? You know, is it your luteal phase? I almost always, (laughs) and I love all my clients who are connected to their cycles now too, because they'll make these connections on their own, that day 21 and on, your body is expending more energy on average. I think you burn actually on average 200 to 300 more calories a day in your luteal phase because it's your body's ramping up and preparing to shed your uterine lining and go through a period cycle. Again, this is if you're naturally cycling and you have a healthier cycle. So you're going to be hungrier. That's why we crave a lot more carbs and chocolate and things like that in our luteal phase. So sometimes just honoring where you're at in your cycle is really important for cravings and understanding where you're at and building a little bit more understanding that no, you're not just crazy and you're just ruining your diet. You're actually going through a physiological shift every month that is is supposed to influence you this way, you know, and what you can do to help mitigate that if you're trying to lose some body fat is eat your chocolate or something, make sure it's a reasonable portion, you know, like 200 calories or so of chocolate (laughs) and then, or less, and then um, go on a walk because walks immediately reduce our blood sugar spikes and help us stay a little more balanced. Blood sugar spiking, by the way, guys, is not necessarily bad for you. It's a natural system that is in our body. But if you are somebody who has a goal to manage your hormones a little more balanced or manage some fat loss or whatnot, you do usually want to see more balanced blood sugar throughout your day. And it's also going to influence things like your energy, your brain function, your mood, yada, yada. So that's why I talk about blood sugar spike a lot, but it's not innately a bad thing. It is a natural system that happens in our body. So that's important to know. But also you might want to think about is your cravings relationship turmoil related? Is it stress in general, like work stress? Is it boredom? You know, there's a lot of things that can be worked through and replaced with non-food habits that do work just as well, or maybe even better once you become aware of the food triggers and start to implement different habits or responses to those triggers. So if things feel massively out of control, though, like binge eating, first know that you're not alone. Don't feel ashamed. It's more common than you think, and you can absolutely break free from binging. Um, I would highly recommend a good quality eating disorder therapist for you if you are open to working through that finally, or maybe at least just starting with a book that can kind of help you work through your mindset and everything that you're dealing with internally, perhaps. And a good book that I do like for binge eating is called The Binge Code by Allie Kerr, or you can also do Brain Over Binge Recovery Guide by Katherine Hansen. Those are really good resources that are available for you like on Amazon or something like that, that I would definitely recommend. So I do, I I would love to go into that deeper because there's so much we could talk about, especially with like hundreds of female clients I've worked with and all of them having very different things that influence their food behaviors. But I would say dominantly, it tends to land between where they're at on their cycle, 
stress of any type, especially relationship stress, honestly, and boredom. Those are the main categories that I see people land in that influence their relationship with food. So working on the inside job there and internally kind of exploring that for yourself is a huge step that can really make um, shifts towards being healthier, accessible long-term. Because sometimes when we just follow something or make like one little mindset shift change, we can follow that for a few months. And then inevitably when that thing comes back around, it's going to smack us in the face and then make us be like, I'm just going to eat Oreos with peanut butter again, you know? (laughs) And it's like, okay, maybe there's something else going on here. So I definitely encourage you there. Okay. And the second to last part of this chat, I want to talk about a really important game changer for making your shift into more nourishment in your life with food, (laughs) maybe just everything in general, but specifically food. And that is have a network of accountability partners, at least one, but better to have two, three, four, you know, whatever your life is like, if you're a more extroverted social person and you want to have all of your besties on board and your partner or your parents (laughs) go for it if you have if you're introverted or maybe you have a smaller circle and you only have like one or two people have at least one of them or both of them on board because communication is so key with any goals but especially goals involving nutrition changes so it's really profound how much I have seen the best changes for clients come because their partner or their closest friends are on board with their changes. If you just decide, hey, I'm going to go keto and your best friends love popcorn and stuff at movie night at your house, that's not going to work very long because they're going to be snacking on popcorn in front of you or something like that. Maybe you're okay with it and you made that choice for yourself. So you're going to like try to avoid that. But at the same time, it could be better to have a situation where you're like, hey, this first few months is really tough for me when I'm around carbs because I'm really trying to do keto for like a nutritional intervention for my health. Like, do you guys mind switching to like charcuterie and a cheese board? Because that's something I can partake in more of, you know, something like that. You know, there's a lot of conversations that are really worth having because if you don't communicate those changes that you're about to make with food like food is so social for humans and if you don't involve that in your relationship with whoever it is that you have friendship relationship etc you're kind of leaving them in the dust to kind of continue to influence you negatively and so it's really on you to communicate to them what you need in this exchange you know what i mean and having accountability can like keep you on track tenfold so many clients. I've trained so many couples. It's really funny, but also fun for me. (laughs) I've trained so many couples and the couples that succeed succeed because they were in it together and they held each other accountable. When one went weaker, the other was stronger, vice versa. The couples or just clients in general that have failed the hardest are usually because their partner's like, okay, honey, you do your thing. I'm going to keep eating my pizza or whatever and bringing it around you and kind of tempting you and yada yada and then they just kind of like they want to connect with their partner they want to connect with their friends because humans crave connection and connection is usually involved around food anytime there's food around there's usually 
humans connecting, right? You know, you go out to the bars for happy hour, you go out to dinner with your family, you go out to dinner with your loved one, etc. And all of those things can completely derail you if your partner is, or your accountability partner, I'll just say whoever that is, your accountability partner isn't holding you accountable. And so that can be really tough. And sometimes there's people who succeed with 0% support from anybody in their life, no matter how much they communicate to them and ask for help. And that's really shitty, honestly. And sometimes it just is like that. So if that's a situation for you, you better have some rock solid determination and diligence because it is immensely harder to stay on track with changes like major changes nutritionally if nobody is helping you or supporting you or doing it with you. But simultaneously, one of the better things you can do, which I've had a lot of clients do, is hire somebody like me, somebody who is a coach who can help you stay accountable, help reminding you about what your goals are, setting some goals together, all that stuff, you know, everything that coaches will do, <laughs> health coaches and all that. And there's so many of them out there now that you should be able to find an accountability group or something like that if you just don't have anybody in your in-person life. But health changes that you can make will inherently impact your family if you have a family or your partner. And so it's almost better to get on the same page to try to improve both of your or all of yours if it's a family um, nutritional habits for the long term. Because even though it might suck, and I know kids are immensely hard to shift away from these comfort foods and such that are, are honestly marketed towards children nowadays too. But at the same time, it's something that people will not hate you for doing for them when they were young as they got older. Uh, I can definitely guarantee that. Most people will be in their adulthood being like, I'm so glad my mom stopped giving me gushers and had me have apples and grapes and things, you know? So something to think about. But I would say that is one of the top tips I can give you is you need to have an accountability partner because things are going to get rough. Things are not going to go the way you want them to. And you're going to need somebody to hold you accountable and kind of stay lighting a fire under your butt when you feel like you just want to roll over into a gallon of ice cream. But I do want to reinforce one more time that allowing your friends and loved ones to know what's truly going on is an act of strength that you can exhibit for them. And it's also an act of respect for them because you're giving them the chance to understand and support you. Whereas ghosting them or avoiding them or just things in that zone because they aren't helping you or you know that their lifestyle is so different than what the lifestyle you want to have is. Um, that's not a healthy way to approach friendships when it comes to this kind of stuff. But if, it, if you find, honestly, like between you and I, if you find that that is easier for you and you realize that that friendship wasn't as valuable to you as you thought and it's and it's hurting you or harming you because maybe they're pushing alcohol on you all the time or they always want to get pizza or or they are like I'm not feeling like dieting anymore do you want to just go get a big brunch and have mimosas like those one time maybe two times okay multiple times that's not a healthy friend to have around when you're trying to make long-term health changes and especially if you've communicated with them and told them what you're trying to do and why it's really important to you then they're definitely not a good friend to you and I know that's a hard pill to swallow but sometimes 
it might make you realize you don't actually value their part in your life and you might just have to let them go. And that's totally okay because you have to value yourself and you have to value your health because all we have in the long run is our health. Our body is the only place we have to live and we only get one shot. So choose your circle wisely for a lot of other things um, and especially this thing. So I'm going to finish out today's episode saying that the last top tip I have for you with making healthier nutrition choices less scary is to make the conscious choice to commit to yourself and your health. Yes, say that one more time. You have to make the conscious choice to commit to yourself and your health. You have to have radical responsibility over your choices with your food. Radical responsibility means that you accept responsibility for everything that influences a choice that you make in life. And that's so important when it comes to your health, because if you stop blaming other people or stop looking at this or that and the other, it can really help you be in your power to make the best choice for your health for the long term. And it never requires linear perfection. It always requires consistent effort. So consistency can be kind of a bumpy dotted line, but if it's moving up, that's where we want it to go. Let's keep moving forward. So just remember that any opportunity to make the next best choice is your best move. So that doesn't mean, okay, I'm starting on Monday. That means, okay, dinner tonight is going to be better. Dinner tonight's going to be a rounded meal. Dinner tonight's going to be something that nourishes me. You know what I mean? So I hope that that helps you feel a little more empowered after this entire chat today with picking nourishment over comfort. And sometimes nourishment is comfort food. You just have to get creative and get a little spicy in the kitchen. Maybe you have to go take some cooking classes. I freaking love cooking classes because they help people feel so much more comfortable in the kitchen. And that's something I didn't talk about, but that's something I see. I'm already thinking of things that I wish I talked about earlier, but learning to cook and build skills with cooking and how to make cooking in the kitchen more efficient with less dishes can really take the scariness of more tasks on your plate away. Because I know that DoorDash can be so easy seeming because you just come home and you throw all the plastic away after you eat, but there's so many hidden things involved in that food and uh, it's also not good for the environment. (laughs) The amount of plastic waste that we've had has increased exponentially since the pandemic and it's definitely not good for the environment. So at all angles it's so important for you to learn how to take care of yourself and nourish yourself and that does involve cooking and that also involves all the other things that i listed above so i hope that that was helpful for you i would love it if this was valuable to you for you to share it with somebody you think needs to hear this chat today and i'd love for you to screenshot this episode share it on your story and tag me or just give me a follow if you haven't joined the community yet again on instagram And something exciting that I've been working on, that's a big master course to help you better understand the food you eat that I am teaching you the exact skills of. I talked about a little bit today, but I have taught these skills and honed them in over the decade. I have been coaching literally a thousand plus women over the years, how to build lean muscle, lose excess fat and maintain a healthy physique without dieting. For the last three years for myself personally, but I've been practicing these skills for a decade now and I've wanted to finally put them together in a pretty little course package for you. So if you want first access to when that course launches, make sure you sign up for our mailing list on coachkales.com and or follow at coachbykales on Instagram. That's my page. 
love to come say hello to you. I always welcome my new followers when I get them. So come say hi. I would love to see you. And anyways, I really, again, I hope that this episode resonated with you and that you think of your nourishment as less scary because that's what we want, right? But all right, Rebel, that's it for today's episode. I hope that you can celebrate your strength and nourishment, walk with confidence, and I will catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. If you are still listening, thank you for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, I have some exciting news for you. So if you would love to join our newsletter group, you can join us on coachkales.com or you can join my Stan store at stan.store backslash Kales, K-A-I-L-E-S. And that's an awesome opportunity for you to snag some freebies that I've created, including a macro hack grocery list that is going to help you kind of design a custom grocery list especially for following macronutrients, because as you know, if you didn't listen to my macros in May series, I would go back to those episodes because it has been a game changer for so many of our listeners for getting more on top of how to shape their physique and their health goals with the food they're eating. So don't sleep on that. Go get your free download. Or I also for fun have a little 14 day ab challenge that I actually have used with my clients and my clients have had some really surprising, amazing, well, surprising that only in 14 days, you can have such great progress with your core strength and your abdominal muscle tone in general. So that is also free on my stand store. So again, S-T-A-N, like Stan the man, stand.store backslash kills. And you can also join our newsletter from that. And if you would like to reach out to me, chat, maybe work together, you can also contact me through my website, coachkales.com. And I would absolutely love you to join our Rebel Wellness Podcast Instagram, which is at Rebel Wellness Podcast. And you can also join my flagship coaching page at Coach by Kales. That's where it all began. That's where I share the most um, kind of custom to what I work on specifically with my clients on that page. So join that one. It's all feminine wellness focused and I share some great stuff, some goofy stuff, things that you just don't want to miss as well as healthy recipes and things and easy recipes because we all kind of need some easy grab and go things, don't we? So I would love you to join both those pages as you'll be joining a community of like-minded females who are all committed to living their best lives. So hit that follow button. And I would love if you felt the need to share and rate our podcast. We would love that. Anyways, thanks for listening. And I hope to catch you next Sunday or say hello on the gram.